Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Would you stand with me, those that can, those that are able to, for the reading of the word of the Lord. I'd like to turn to John chapter 8. I love the presence of the Lord that I feel in here. Amen. Amen. What What a wonderful church. If you're a guest here today and you're, and you're searching, can I tell you, you found it. You really have. And it's not just because this is a beautiful place and it's not just because there's beautiful worship going on, but this is where the truth of God's word is preached. Amen. And we want the truth of God's word, don't we? Don't give me any cotton candy. I, don't, I, I have enough of that in the world, but I need the truth of God preached. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is where the truth is preached. This is where you can grow, where you can experience God's love through his people. Amen. John chapter 8. And I think some of you got there before I did. And as, as we're going there, I'd like to say thank you so much to this wonderful church. I just love this place, LifeSpring. Um, thank you, Pastor and Sister Calhoun, for the opportunity this weekend. My brother Reese, Tasha, and thank you so much for the invitation to come. What a wonderful weekend we've had. John chapter 8, and starting in verse number 2, this is speaking of Jesus. Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The one man that had the right to throw a stone at her, the one sinless man, said, I don't condemn you. Get up and go. Don't go back the way that you came, but go and sin no more. And Jesus turns back to the crowd, and it's like he picked up, I don't believe it's by coincidence, but he just kind of picks up where he left off before he was interrupted. He said in verse 12, I am the light of the world. 
He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I feel God's presence in here. And the Lord has come to speak to somebody today that it's not over. It's not over. The light of life is in here to shine his light into your dark places and those places that you haven't, want, you haven't wanted anybody to come in. You don't want anybody to examine. But the light of life is here not to hurt you, but to help you. Amen. Jesus Christ is here to help somebody today. Amen. Can we just lift our hands up to heaven one more time and say, God, would you touch me today? As your word goes forth, I don't want to miss what your word is saying to me, but I know that your word can be applied to my life today. I know that you've come with a message for me. And Lord, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm going to put that aside. I'm, going to, I'm not going to just hear your words, but I'm going to act by faith. I'm going to step out. I may, it may be a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to obey your word. I'm not just going to hear your word, but I'm going to obey your word. Because God, you're looking for somebody who's going to obey your, your voice. You've got great things in store. And Lord, we just, we just humble ourselves to you. I want your presence, God, to come in like a mighty rushing wind and fill this house, God, Fill everybody, God, with your Holy Spirit today. God, fill and refill. Let somebody come to know you in a way they've never known you before. God, shine your light today. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. My mom loves to tell the story. I don't know how it's possible. I have no reference about what I'm about to tell you, because I don't have kids. I'm just a single guy, no kids yet. And, um, but my mom loves to tell the story how when I was two years old, they woke up one morning and they couldn't find me in my room. And they couldn't find me in my closet. I don't know where kids go. They couldn't find me anywhere. Wasn't in the bathroom, wasn't in the kitchen. Mom began to panic. And... Right about that time, there was a knock on the door, and she went to the door, and she found a man, some strange man, holding me in my diapers. And mom grabbed me out of his hands and said, what are you doing? He said, is this your child? Yes, this is my child. Well, he was in my kitchen this morning. <laughs> Looking for cereal. Now... I don't know how two-year-olds can do that. They say the terrible, you know, if those of you have had kids, you know, I guess. If you turn your back, the terrible twos will come out, and they'll just, you'll never know what they get into. And I guess that was me. You know, I woke up, and I didn't see any cereal in the kitchen, at least none that I liked. We probably had something nasty like grape nuts or something. <laughs> and so, well, what's a boy to do? I don't know. I'm hungry. So I just walk out the front door, walk across our lawn, the neighbor's lawn, and Try their front door. It was open. Go in there and just bang around in the cabinet, see what I can find. And they wake up to, uh, they don't know what, and they come rushing out to the kitchen, and there's this baby <laughs> looking for cereal. Now, we're a mess, aren't we? We are such a mess. She tells a story, uh, I was thinking I was a little older, maybe three or four, and she was trying to, uh, she went to the kitchen to make some dinner, she pulls out the butter in the fridge, and it's the country crock, you know, and the lid's off, and she, she sees handprints, fingerprints in the butter. She says, I think I know those fingerprints. 
Joe, come in here. And so I come in there and there's butter all, smeared all over my face, running down, dripping down my arms, all over my chest. She said, Joe, did you get in the butter? No. I didn't get in the butter. You know, nobody had to train me to lie. Nobody has to train us to cheat. Do they? That comes natural. You weren't trained by your parents to lie, to cheat, to steal, were you? No, it came natural. We're a mess. We're a mess. I finally bought a brand new white shirt last night. I, for the longest time, was wearing a white shirt. It was, it was a dingy white because I had washed, you know, just throw it in the dress shirt I'm talking about. Just throw it in the washer with the jeans, you know, and just see what happens. I'm too cheap to dry clean it, so just see what happens. Well, it came out blue, less, or, or it's kind of blue. So it's a dingy kind of white. And I said, well, you know, I, don't ha I just don't have the money to buy a white shirt. I'm just going to wear what I have, you know. And uh, so some of you are thinking, I, I can't, you know, you come into a place like this and you think all oh, these people are just, they're perfect. Every, you know, they're perfect. I, can't, I don't belong here in a place of perfect people. I'm just here to tell you, we're not perfect. We're a mess. I'm a mess. Finally, I bought a brand new white shirt. I got it for $4 at Kohl's. Praise God. Okay. So, amen. And I feel good about it. I feel clean today. And I'll give you a secret that sometimes I don't wear dress socks to, sh to church. Sometimes I just wear the white tube socks. You're not supposed to wear white tube socks with a suit. Don't you know that? But we're a mess. My point is that we're a mess. And you know, God can do something with a mess. I'm not wearing white. So some of you are, he's wearing white socks today. No, I'm not, thankfully. It would have been a good illustration. But we are a mess. But God loves to take a mess because God can work with a mess. Do you know that? So if you're going through something today, you're in the perfect place because God can take what you have or what you don't have and God can make something beautiful out of it. Hallelujah. You know those people that can pack a U-Haul Perfect. I mean, every inch of available space is used in the U-Haul. You know those people? Some of you have that talent. If you ask me to help you move, I'll help you, but we may take about six or seven trips. It'll take all day and all night. But just throw it in there, you know? But there are some people who can just pack that thing in just one trip, and everything's beautiful, and everything's nice. They've got that specialty. There are other people. How about, how about some people that can walk into a place that's maybe a dilapidated place that everybody else has given up on, but they can come into a place and say, you know what, I see potential here. They don't see, they don't see it as what it is right now, but they see it as what it can be. Maybe just a, a paint job of some rearranging of the furniture, change out some light fixtures, and man, this place is not a dump, but we can work with this. You know that God has that specialty too? In, the, if, in, in case, you, if you think I'm lying, if you, if you just open to the very first scripture in the Bible, it tells us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And then God began to create things because God looked at an, at an earth that was nothing, that was void, that was, that was ugly, that nobody else could do anything with, but God likes to take that and make something beautiful out of it. Amen. Amen. It's just as that old song says that one pair of hands formed the mountains. One pair of hands formed the seas. One pair of hands formed the rivers, every bird, every flower, every tree. One pair of hands formed the valleys. 
the oceans, the rivers, and the sands. Those hands are so strong that when life goes wrong, put your faith into one pair of hands. Amen. The second verse says one pair of hands healed the sick. One pair of hands raised the dead. One pair of hands fed 5,000 people. One pair of hands stretched out and said, hey, hey, the, the, these, these hands uh, are so strong that when life goes wrong, put your faith into one pair of hands. This morning, God is here to speak to somebody today and said, I don't care what your situation looks like. It may look like an utter hopeless, helpless mess, but I love to take something that's a mess and make it beautiful. God gets giddy with excitement when he sees something broken and he said, I can fix that. He sees something ugly and said, I can turn that into something pretty. He delights in taking my wrong and turning it around and making it right. So why don't we give God the opportunity this morning to do what he does best because he can see the end from the beginning and he knows that your mess is just a setup for his miraculous working power hallelujah this woman that we read about in john chapter 8 more than likely can you picture can you imagine the situation more than likely this woman was standing there in front of the crowd bare nothing to cover her nakedness her guilt and her shame she had nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Can you imagine the situation? Sobbing as she realizes that the choices that she has made have led her down this road of regret, and now everybody knows about it. But little did she realize that her road of regret was about to intersect with a road of restoration. She didn't know it, but her road of regret was about to intersect with a road of righteousness. But she just knew in her mind, the end is near. It's about to be over. Just kill me now. Just get it over with. Can you imagine the embarrassment and the shame and the guilt that she felt in front of the crowd? Just kill me, please. Don't patronize me in the process, but just kill me. I know that I'm wrong. I know that I messed up. I know that I have failed miserably. Caught in the very act of adultery and now she knew it's all over. Can you imagine as this lady trembles in fear, she shakes uncontrollably, her life flashes before her eyes. She just knows she's about to feel that first stone hit her in the face. If I had to do it over again, anybody ever said that? If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't make the same choice. The sin that has led me down this road, it's not worth the cost of my life. It's not worth it. But that's exactly what I'm about to pay. I'm about to pay with my life. And the religious leaders have, you know, who have dragged her out of her situation and thrown her at the feet of Jesus are questioning Jesus. Hey, the law says stoner. But what do you say? And Jesus just sits down and he just doodles in the ground. A lot of people, there's a lot of speculation on what Jesus is writing. Perhaps he's writing the, the names of the people that want to stone her. Perhaps he's writing their sins out on the, on the ground. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. I like to think that Jesus is just practicing cursive. <laughs> That's what I like to think. I love the J in cursive, but I, I just can never get it perfected. I bet he had it perfected. The point is, Jesus was not even concerned with their questions. 
because they had no ounce of care in their body for this lady. They wanted to witness an execution. In fact, they wanted to take part in a stoning. And Jesus doesn't have time for that. So he just ignores them. But they keep pressing him, the Bible said. They keep asking him, what do you say? Moses said, stone her. But what do you say? And so finally, Jesus stands up. And here, here it is, folks. She knows it's over. I'm done. Can you imagine? I imagine she's on her face. I imagine she's sobbing. And she is thinking about the choices that she's made that have led her to this situation. You know, because it's never an overnight thing. It's not just a one-time decision that gets us in the mess that we get in, but it's a period of compromise. It's, a, it's over, the, over the course of life, we begin to let things in that we used to not let in. We begin to do things that we used to not do. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it leads us to a place like this. I imagine that she's thinking about, how did I get here? How did I get here? She may have thought previously, back, even before she was born, and she starts to remember a man after God's own heart. His name was David. He was the greatest king in all of Israel. And she remembers David. His story is kind of like mine. He did the same thing. He committed the same act. And even took it a step further in order to try and cover up and let nobody know. Nobody's going to know what I did. I he even took an innocent man's life. David, King David, was the king after God's, he was the man after God's own heart. How could King David get away with what he had done? But perhaps she then remembers when David was faced with a choice to make, when that prophet pointed his finger in the face of David and said, you're the man. We have two options, folks. We have two that we can run and hide. We can try and say, no, that's not me. I didn't do it. We can try and shift the blame on somebody else. And we can try and save face and protect ourselves. Or we could do what David did. There's only two choices. And perhaps she remembers that Psalm 51. When David was confronted with his sin, he made the right choice. He made the right choice when he said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, he said in verse 10. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Perhaps nobody knew the words that she began to sob when she said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways 
and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. You see, we have it all wrong, folks. We have it all wrong. We think that what we do, how much we give, how much time we give to God, how much time we come to, the, come, come, come to the house of God when the doors are open, how much money we give away, how much time and effort we put into the kingdom of God, is all, it, it all matters to God. But in fact, none of it matters to God. He can't see it. He, don't, he doesn't even see it. He's not even acknowledging it. If at first we don't come his way with a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, we think that we can pile up all of our good deeds and all of our good works and they're, they're going to be a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. But he said, no, in fact, it's a stench to me. I don't want any of that if at first I don't have your heart. I don't want any of that if at first you don't come my way in humility. I'm preaching this morning. The title of my message this morning is TBH. For the young people, you know what that means. For the old people, I'll explain it. To be honest. We've got to come to God in all honesty and transparency. We've got to come his way, not my sacrifice. God said, Cain, what are you so upset about? What are you so mad about? I told you what to bring as an offering. Abel, your brother, brought me the, the, the offering that I required, the, the offering that I asked for. But you thought you could do it your way, Cain. You thought you could bring me the best of what you could offer, but I don't want that. I want you to come my way. There's only one way to come to me, Cain. And so what are you so upset about? If you just do what I ask you to do, can I tell you, I will accept your sacrifice. If you just do, if you just come my way, if you're just open and honest and transparent with me, can I tell you, I can do something with that, but I can't do it if you're, if you're closed off. I can't do it if you just, if you try and skirt around things, if you try and circumvent, I can't do anything with that because you're not being honest. But can I tell you that Jesus Christ, in a word, in an act of complete mercy, in a showing of unparalleled grace, Jesus Christ turns to her accusers when she knew she was about to be stoned. Instead, he opened up his mouth and said, he that is without sin, let him first cast a stone. My God. Because Jesus loves to take a mess and turn it into a ministry. Jesus Christ loves to take simply broken fragments and feed over 5,000 followers. He specializes in taking your brokenness and turning it into something beautiful. Don't forget that Peter was a betrayer, that Paul was a murderer, that Jacob was a liar, a deceiver, and a supplanter, that Jonah was rebellious and ran from the call of God, and David, even King David, as we just mentioned, that David was an adulterer and that he was a murderer. But when his mess met God's mercy, when David was honest, when David was open and transparent, you see, he could have ran and hide, but he decided, no, 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 I can't, God. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sorry. I failed. I have sinned, and I have not lived up to, 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 your, to what you, you thought I should do and what I should be, and I'm so sorry. But when David's mess met God's mercy, 
That's how come David was able to say in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. He said in verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Verse 14 said, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. Can I tell you, I don't care what you're facing right now. If you'll come God's way, God will honor it. I don't care what you're dealing with right now. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've messed up. I don't care, honey, what the enemy's trying to breathe down some of your necks. Can I tell you, if you come God's way, he can work with that. If you come in humility and brokenness, God can do something with that. God is ready to give somebody a new start today. God is ready to give somebody a brand new start. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Okay, preacher, so I hear you. I hear you preaching about this. How do I obtain his mercy? How do I obtain mercy? Because I want it. Who wants mercy in the house? Lift your hand up high if you want God's mercy and you're not ashamed to say it. I want it. I need it. I can't be saved without it. So how do I get it, preacher? I hear you. Can I tell you, you're going to hear a lot of things from a lot of different people. You're going to hear a lot of things from your family and from your friends, and you'll hear a lot of things from the religious world even today that's trying to tell you, hey, you're just a sinner. You'll never be anything more than that. So just accept Christ as your personal Savior and just go about living your life, and everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be good. Can I tell you that's not the truth of God's Word? But if, it, if what you're hearing does not agree with what's in this book, then it's not true because this book is true, and this book is life. And what this book says is we've got to come away. There's only one way to obtain mercy. Only one way. And it's not our way. It's his way. So how do I obtain it? Honesty. <laughs> to be honest. To be honest. And that's something that we as humans don't like to do. We don't like to be honest. We can put on a fake smile and nobody the wiser. We've done it. Each and every one of us in this place has put on a fake smile when we're going through something. Each and every one of us knows how to put on a mask that nobody knows about, nobody can see. But see, I'm not out to please people. When we get down to the very truth of God's word, I'm not out to please somebody else. I'm out to please God. And I've got to have God's mercy, and I've got to have God's love, but there's only one way to obtain it, and that's being accountable for what I have done. You see, in all of her shame and all of her guilt, standing there open, barren, naked before the crowd, sure, it was embarrassing, but in all of her shame and guilt, she was accountable for what she had done. 
whether it's a forced accountability or a willing accountability, whether somebody forces you and, and calls you out and, and has all the evidence to show for it as, as what happened in that situation. I'm sure she didn't come uh, with, excited about seeing Jesus. I'm sure she probably came kicking and screaming and she did not want to be stoned that day. But here's the point. She was accountable. She was transparent and open in front of Jesus Christ. You see, her accusers thought they were dragging her to her death, but they soon found out they were dragging her to mercy. I said her accusers thought that they were dragging her to an execution, but they soon found out they were dragging her to the only one that could do something about her situation. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And can I tell you, every time honesty will lead to mercy. Every time your transparent heart will lead to mercy. Every time accountability, it will lead to mercy every time. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 said, he that covers his sins shall not prosper. And some of us are laying our head down on the pillow at night and thinking, why can't I seem to get anywhere? Why does it feel like I'm beating my head against the wall? And God is saying, I just want you to open up and be honest with me. Because he that covers his sins cannot prosper. That means you're not moving forward in life. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Because there is no neutral ground. You, You can't just stay in one place. So if you're not progressing, then you're moving backwards. But hey, you may focus on that and think, man, that's, that's pretty negative. He that covers his sins shall not prosper. But look at the promise, folks. Whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Wow. What a promise from God that we confess what we have done and say, I'm not living that life anymore. I'm done with it. It's called repentance. It's called a turning away from the way that I've always done it. It's called turning around and walking with Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 9 said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, what a promise. Can I tell you, somebody's going to be cleansed from all unrighteousness today. Somebody that makes up their mind that I don't care what it takes. I want mercy. I don't care what it takes. I want God's love. And it's available. It's in the house today. But the biggest word in all of history is just a little two-letter word, if. That's the conditional promise. If I do my part, God will do his part, but not before. God will not do his part before. And some of us are asking God to do the impossible. Can I tell you, God, God, there's only a couple, there's only a few things that are impossible in the scripture. And one of them is that God is not a liar. He cannot lie. But some of us are asking God to lie. Some of us are asking God to just, just forget about it. Just let me sweep it under the rug and let it go away. But God can't do that because then God would be a liar. But we got to come with honesty and openness and transparency. That's the only way. Jesus told the religious leaders of that day, I'm sorry, I can't do anything for you. Because indeed you're sick, but you're unwilling to admit it. I, I came to seek and save those that were lost. And, and I, came to, I didn't come for those that, that were all whole, but I came for those that needed a physician. But you're unwilling to be honest before me. And, and your pride will not allow you to be helped by me. And so you're dead inside, Jesus told him. He said, you look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Oh. In John eight thirty two. Same chapter, verse number 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
I believe it's a double meaning there. And Jesus said, you have to know the truth. You have to become honest with yourself before you ever want to begin a relationship with me. If you want to know the way, the truth, and the life, you got, you've at first got to be honest with yourself. You got to be open about what you have done. Don't you see it's that, it's that thing that's weighed on your conscience for so long now. It's that heaviness, it's that burden that you feel, it's that fear, that depression that you've been hanging on to for so long now, but the Holy Ghost is here to set you free. You see, some of us have been entertaining the lies of the enemy, that, that enemy that's breathing down our neck saying, no, you can't confess what you've done. No, you're okay, you're good. No, everybody else will think you're a failure. Everybody else will think you're a loser. You can't confess what you've done because the enemy doesn't want you to find mercy. And so you're trapped inside of this cage in your mind and you're saying, there's no way out. But the Holy Ghost is here to say, I've come to bring freedom. I've come to bring liberty. I've come to bring mercy. I want somebody to know my love today. And it's my choice. It's up to me. You know what the presence of Jesus Christ offers you? Not just mercy, not just love, not just forgiveness, but you know what else it offers you? Protection. Jesus said, get your hand off my daughter. She's mine. Unless, of course, you're sinless. If you're perfect, then go ahead and cast a stone at her. Otherwise, don't touch her. She's mine. That's what the presence of Jesus Christ offers when you're willing to be honest. Every time I've heard this scripture, this passage preached, every time, without fail, I've always heard, I've always, uh, heard somebody make mention of the man. What about the man? Where's the man at? She was caught in the act of adultery, was she not? So where's the man? And we get so frustrated and so consumed about the man. Why are we so focused on things that are not in the scripture? We're reading a story about a lady receiving love and mercy and forgiveness. Yet we want to pick, we want to think about, we want to go outside the text and say, well, what happened to the man? There are two options. In, in my opinion, that could have happened to the man. Just only two. They found him in the act of adultery, and they stoned him. They killed him right there. You're dead. That's probably not likely. But the other thing that we like to say is they let the man go. He's free. They pardon him. Hey, man, psh, we won't tell anybody. Go on. Can I tell you what that man did not receive? He did not receive mercy. Either way, whether he was stoned to death right there, he didn't receive mercy. If they pardoned his sin, hey man, go ahead, we won't tell anybody. He did not receive mercy. That man is not free. That man's walking around each and every day of his life bound up. He's not free at all. As if the religious leaders of that day could, say, could pardon a sin. Could say, hey man, you're good, man. We won't tell anybody, you're free. He's not free. I don't know what happened to the man. I hope that he found... And, and said, Lord, i got to confess what I've done. I need your mercy. I need grace, God. I hope that's what happened to the man, but I don't know what happened to the man. I'm looking at this story. I know what happened to the woman. I know she received mercy. I know she received God's love. I know she received God's favor. I know that although she didn't deserve it, she found mercy, and that's my situation. God, I don't deserve it, but I need your mercy, and I'm willing to do anything for it. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'll be honest for it. Because I can't live bound and I can't, I can't, I, I've got to experience freedom. I don't want this sin. 
to hold me captive any longer. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Do you feel, do you think for one second that that woman would have been forgiven by Jesus Christ had she been harboring a grudge? Had she had some bitterness or some hatred in her heart? Do you think for one second she would have been forgiven? Absolutely not. I hate that man. I hate what that man has done to me. I hate the fact that I'm here in front of the crowd. I'm about to be stoned, but where's the man? No, she didn't have any of that in her heart because you know what happens when you're honest? You take accountability for what I've done. Doesn't really matter what the man did. He's got to answer for himself. But for me, and I, I'm speaking to somebody who's been done wrong, who's been hurt in your past. I'm speaking to somebody who's, you've really been hurt in your past and, and somebody really just, just, it wasn't right what they did to you. But what I love about the word of God is that you can't blame anything on anyone. I'm not here to, down, to, 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 to say that your situation, your past doesn't matter. I'm not here to say that that, that person that hurt you it wasn't wrong. I'm not here to say any of that. But what I am here to say is that when I take responsibility for what I have done, then I can find God's mercy. Because Jesus, make, he cuts right to the chase in Matthew 6, 21. He said, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And then all of a sudden he starts to list all of the wicked and evil things that come from my heart. He said it's not from outside of a man coming into him that defiles him. It's not, it's not everything out from the outside. No, it starts from right here, from inside your heart. All wickedness, all evil, all murder, all adultery, all everything, it comes from your heart. In other words, you can't blame it on the weather. You can't blame it on your neighbor. You can't blame it on your past. You can't blame it on the, on the pizza you ate last night. It doesn't matter. All that matters is me, and I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to be honest about what I have done to put me in the situation that I'm in right now. The Holy Ghost is here to breathe new life. The Holy Ghost is here to shine his everlasting light into your heart and soul, but you just got to be willing to say, I'm going to be honest. In front of the crowd, I don't really care about the crowd. And I love all you people, and you're wonderful, beautiful people of God. But I, I'm really not here for you. I'm here for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I really don't care what your opinion is of me. I really don't care if you look down at me and say, hey, man, you're, you're, you're just a loser. You just, you just failed, and, and, and you, you got no use in this place. I really don't care what your opinion is. I care what his opinion is. Come on, somebody needs to make up in your mind. Although I love my family, although I love my friends, I'm not really here for them. I'm here for Jesus Christ, and I need mercy. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to obtain mercy. I need God's love. And I'm, doing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to hide anymore. For the second time in this chapter, we're not even out of the chapter. John chapter 8. Jesus Christ drops a nuclear bomb on these people. And he says, I, I am. I am. In other words, I'm God of the Old Testament. I have the power to forgive sin. In verse number 58, I have all power to pardon sin because I'm God. <laughs> and then in verse 59, verse 50, will you put that up, brother? Then took they up stones to cast at him for the second time in this chapter. Not even out of the chapter, they took up stones again. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them, and so passed by. See, when we're unwilling to be honest, when we, we want to we stay in hiding, Jesus Christ is going to hide himself. He's not going to make himself plain. 
He's not going to, it's for the second time in the chapter. They just wanted to kill. They wanted to stone. They were in the very presence of mercy. Think about it, folks. These people were in the presence of mercy and had the opportunity, the same opportunity this lady had. They were in his very presence. And she said, get up. Jesus told her, get up. Go ahead. I know. I see your repentant heart. I know you don't want to, you don't want to do the same things. You don't want to be the same way. I'm, I'm giving you mercy because you're accountable to me. These same people had the very same opportunity, but all they could think about was participating in a stoning. They were a stone's throw, literally a stone's throw away from mercy, but they could not throw the stone away. And we are in the very presence of God, in the very house of God. And I, th- I believe the Holy Ghost is drawing each and every heart, but it's up to me. Ultimately, it's up to me. God's not going to drop in my lap and say, okay, I'm here. No, it's up to me to say, God, I'm going to do the hard work. It may feel a little uncomfortable right now, but I'm telling you the reward is so much greater. I'm not going to run and hide, but I'm going to experience what freedom is. I'm going to experience for the first time in my life truly what it is to be free and forgiven of my sin. You see, your past can't hold you back any longer when Jesus Christ forgives you because he's got all authority and power. Who's your past? What is your past to Jesus Christ? Hey, I got it taken care of, honey. And it can't hold you bound anymore if you're willing to be honest. But if you're not willing to be honest in the presence of God, then you'll continue being miserable. But can I tell you that God's not in the humiliation business. He's in the healing business. God is not here to shame you. He's here to save you. God didn't come to harm you. He came to help you. He didn't show up today to embarrass you, but he came to forgive you. And all you have to do is want it more than you want your pride intact. All you got to do is want it more than you care about your your reputation with other people. All you got to do is want it more than anything else, more than the opinion of the crowd, more than the opinion of my husband or wife, more than the opinion of my friend, more than the opinion of my girlfriend. I want it, God. I want your mercy more than anything else. And there is hope today. I come to preach new life to somebody today God's gonna give a fresh start God's gonna turn a new chapter it's not over your mess your mess may feel big but God's mercy is so much bigger your mess may feel insurmountable and it is insurmountable if you're doing it up by yourself but with God's help all it takes is one encounter with the master and that mercy that your soul has been longing for it's here in the building today and you just got to reach out for it come on somebody right where we are at this very moment in time what an opportunity we have it can be somebody's brand new day today somebody's going to leave here with that heavy weight lifted off their shoulders it feels so good to be free and somebody's going to experience the forgiving power of God today he said get up get up your story's not over lady get up go and sin no more and that's the first step after we come to God in humility a repentant heart that said God I'm not doing it my way anymore the things that have led me down this path I'm not going there anymore but with the help of your spirit I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to do what you have called me to do that's called repentance God said don't hang your head anymore get up go and sin no more don't go back the same direction you came don't go back to that house don't go back to that situation but go a different path come on go a different path that's repentance folks and when you repent the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive you not only will he forgive but he will forget and all you got to do is, is, is say it with a sincere heart. 
You don't have to moan and groan and beg and plead and snot all over the place. All you have to do is say it and mean it. And God forgives you. Would the music help me? But it doesn't stop there. Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you don't have to remain in your sins. He died for your sins so that you can overcome. You are more than a conqueror. This is Jesus Christ's thoughts of you. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. As pastor said, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Wow, what an overcomer. My God, nothing can hold you back any longer when you're willing to be honest. First step, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to deal with what I've done, God. I'm going to deal with my sin in your presence. That's repentance. The next step, you lift your hands and start thanking God that he's forgiven you and washed all your sins away. He didn't have to do it, but he chose to do it. And he loves you. The very fact that you're here right now, God drew you to this place. Some of you are thinking, oh man, I deserve a pat on the back. I came on a Sunday morning. Can I tell you, it wasn't your decision only, but the Holy Spirit was working and drawing on you. He said, no man comes to God except, the, except first the Father draws him. That's it. You're here today because God knew you needed to hear a message about his mercy. And it ain't over, honey. In fact, it's just about to begin for somebody who will embrace it. Honesty. Before God. Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you close your eyes, everybody around? We're not here to, to look around. And it's not about what you decide or what I decide. It's, a, it's, really just, it's really just me and God right now in this moment. It's just you personally and God. Nobody else in the room. Nobody else in the building. Nobody else even matters. But if God has been on your heart this morning, if God has been tugging at you and saying, my, my, my child, I've got mercy for you. All you got to do is repent of your sins. Can I tell you, you can be free today. You can experience freedom that you've never had before. It's in this place. You're going to leave here smiling. You're not going to leave here down. You're going to leave here just, just walking in the presence of God. You're not going to walk in defeat anymore. You're going to walk in victory. It's for somebody today. If you don't feel too uncomfortable... I wonder, with everybody's eyes closed, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I wonder if you take a, a step of faith, just a simple act of faith, and you would take a step out from your chair where you are right now, and if you'd come to the front and just say, God, I need your mercy. I need it. I wonder if you'd come to the front, maybe bow down at this altar. This is what this altar is for. Maybe just repent of your sins right here. But take a knee before the presence of the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. And I want to do things your way. I don't want to do things my way. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that's got that spirit. Or maybe you want to come and just stand and, and lift your hands. Remember, it's just you and God. It's, a, it's nobody else that matters in this place. But it's just me and God. And I've come to experience mercy today. Oh, I need God's mercy and forgiveness. Hallelujah. It's in the building. You're going to leave here changed. If you need the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is for you. God's power, His Spirit is for you. You can be baptized today in Jesus' name and all your sins washed away. Come on, the Holy Ghost is for each and every one, whosoever will. I'm going to lay down my pride, God. I'm going to lay down my pride. I don't care about my pride. I need to come your way humbly, humbly. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry, God, what led me down this path, but I don't want to do those things anymore. And I know, God, I want to walk with you. I know you've got something great for me. God, an overcoming life that I've never experienced before. 
Can I tell you, his grace and his mercy is here. His love. He's wrapping his arms around somebody today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.